0: welcome back to Coffee and Comic Books, a comic book podcast. Um, I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Rick.
1: Hello, Rick. What have you been reading in the last week or two? Uh, actually, not a lot. But I did make a list. Did you make a list?
0: I I did make a list, and I did also. I wanted to shout out. Um, well, I'll just I'll put it as like the the honorable mention on my list, and we can get get into for our for our segment one this time. Um, we're gonna do. Just like a rundown of our favorite things that we read in 2022. Um, and yeah, I'll just the thing I read was like pretty good. And I only had nine things on my list off the top of my head. And so <laughs> I'll just put that as the 10th the thing. But do you want to go first? And we'll just like switch back and forth here, I guess.
1: Sure. Um, I will start. I think I'm going to start with one that I think you've read, which is mm-hmm. Witches by uh, Daisuke Gershashi. That oh, is that? Last name.
0: on my shelf, but I have not
1: read it. <laughs> okay, uh, that book is really, really good, and I hope you get around to it soon. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, I should. I I um bought it to uh, support friend of the show Aiden because they lettered that book, but I have not uh-huh. uh, made time to read it yet. So, his artwork is breathtaking. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> it looks really fucking good from what I've seen it's just a lot of connected stories throughout time. That's yeah. Just very good and considered it's, it's nice, but I don't want to say any much more.
0: Um, so yeah, I didn't put this in any, um, specific order, but, um, for my like number 10 thing, quote unquote, um, I'll put the thing I just read recently, which is, um, the Walt Simonson, Archie Goodwin adaptation of close encounters of the third kind. um, I mentioned on the last episode I was going, the last uh, episode for patrons, I guess, that I was kind of interested in reading some of the, like, Marvel super special stuff, which features all sorts of different adaptations they did in the 70s and 80s, and this is one I picked up, and that book is fucking good. (laughs) Turns out that Walt Simonson drawing, um, like, some of the coolest special effects in all of cinema is just good, you know? (laughs) Um, Not a lot to say about it, because it's, like, Just kind of doing Close Encounters, but not quite as good as Close Encounters, but the art makes it totally worth it to me. So,
1: uh, yeah. That that is a movie that I have been meaning to watch for decades at this point. (laughs) You should do that. It's uh, one of my faves. I watched the movie
0: for the first time this year, and it's immediately, like, one of my faves. So,
1: Okay. Um, What's Um, next on your list? uh, We'll go with uh, number five, uh, the... Taiyo Matsumoto series got uh, reprinted from Viz in like more collectible like smaller editions there's four There's five of them i believe and it is a post 9/11 take on superheroes okay from from some like uh have you read any Taiyo Matsumoto like Sunny or um Concrete, black and white No i'm not i'm not familiar uh so his style is um it's really good, and uh, this book is just, like, it's a globe-trotting team of special agents slash superheroes in a fictionalized world, and then one of them decides to break away and starts assassinating everyone else, and it's just a big chase action scene throughout the world while all this plot is happening. It's it's one of the best superhero comics I've ever read, and there's actually, like, a couple on my list, but none of them are, like, big superhero books or just, like, off to the sides of her books. It's interesting.
0: It's good. Which what was the title of this one? Did you say Number
1: Five. Number
0: five. Okay. I'm I'm gonna have to check this out. Um he's got like I pulled up his Wikipedia and I'm like, oh, there's like three series on here that I've been meaning to read. Uh uh-huh. Sonny was one of them, uh Ping Pong is another. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm looking at these covers and I know exactly who you're talking about, but yeah. Uh I'll I'll try have to try and check out number five sometime soon, because that sounds really fucking good.
1: It is, yeah. Next for you.
0: Uh next for me um is uh, so I've not read all of this, um, but I, I'm i just kind of doing as like a joint thing. Um, the first volume of Shoa slash like the first two volumes of GGG no Katara. Um I just kind of got into uh, Shigeru Mizuki this year, and um, that's fucking fantastic. Um, I just absolutely adore his um, cartooning style. Uh, people listening, you've probably seen Shoa on bookstore shelves if you like shop comic sections at all in the last t- 10 years. And um you've probably seen a strip he did where he was um he he did a strip that's got has gone viral a couple times about a conversation he had with um Ishinomori and um Tezuka where they're like bragging about how they overwork themselves all the time and he's telling them I get fucking 8 hours a day. I don't I don't care. I sleep. <laughs> and uh kind of lamenting um, that the two of them died so young and that he's, like, outlived so many of his um, peers as a mangaka. Um, but yeah, Showa, um, really, really good book, and um, GGG no Kitaro, like, about as different as you can get while also kind of being pretty similar in some weird ways, you know? Um, really, really love those books. If you want something that's, like, more adult People should check out Showa if you want something that's more child kid-oriented, like, complimentary. I think Gigi no Kitaro is uh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, K- Kitaro is, like, one of the more popular things that people have seen without knowing they've seen it. Like, it's a big, it's a yokai book that everyone mm-hmm. kind has of know- has seen but hasn't known they've seen. Yeah, it's one of those. Every,
0: um, like, literally every, um, uh, Mizuki book that I have picked up uh, because he's mostly published by Drawn and Quarterly here in the States. And all of them will have somewhere on the back cover, the most famous manga guy you've never heard of. Because he's like, you know, <laughs> massively, massively, massively popular in Japan and just not here, you know, in the same way. But uh, very influential on something you like,
1: I'm sure. <laughs> Many things. Uh, so, yeah, you go. So, the next one is uh, Bat Kid, which is was put up by uh, Bubbles, which is a small zine publisher. Uh, it is a collection translated by Ryan Holmberg of um, Inoue Kazuo's uh, baseball comics from 1947 to 1949. And is that is... the? Sorry, you go, you go. Oh no, go.
0: Is is that the guy who did the like um, socialist samurai comics? Am I? No, 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 no. no.
1: Okay. <laughs> th- this guy is. Um, he. It's 1947, 1949, because th- this book was incredibly popular, but he died of, uh, I believe, I believe it was cancer or some other illness, like, like suddenly. So it just stopped. But the book was a very popular baseball strip that spawned a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, I love this
0: art. This is really nice.
1: Yeah, it, it's gorgeous. And uh, the best part about some of these collections is they keep all the old uh, color pages intact. Oh, and nice! The, and the car stuff looks so good and it's um it's a ryan holberg uh comic, which a lot of these on my list are and the thing about Ryan Holberg comics is he's one of the best translators in the biz and every book he does it the last like twenty pages of it are just an essay on the importance and like the the climate of that book at the time and it's always great stuff,
0: huh that sounds yeah. really cool. <clears throat> Um, next on my list, um, I'm just gonna knock out, like, the, the big thing that dominated a huge amount of my reading this year is Berserk. I read all of Berserk this year. Uh, people listening to this podcast know about Berserk. You don't need me to sell you on Berserk. You either know and you like it, or you are like, I'll read that one of these days, or you're like, uh, too gross. I'm not gonna read that. Like, people have opinions about Berserk. I think it's one of the best things I've ever read, but I don't really need to, like, Get in-depth on it.
1: <laughs> it's a very good comic. Mm-hmm. Have you continued reading it?
0: Uh, so I have read, I think, two chapters past the last one that Mira worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and And I'm interested, but I'm kind of... I'm going to wait until there's, like, more of it I can read. Because I don't really... I don't like keeping up with anything week to week, and I... Especially Berserk. It's just like, I just want there to be, you know, maybe when they finish this arc, I'll read all of this arc in one go or something like that. But um, yeah, I just didn't want to keep up with it. But I, I I read two chapters past and I was like, okay, you know, they're continuing the story. It's probably going to be fine. And if they change their minds tomorrow and didn't put out any more Berserk, I'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so... Uh, The next one for me would be uh, The Town of Pigs, which is by Hideshi Hino, and it's put up by uh, Starfruit Books, who started doing books with Hino just this year. And it is um, a horror comic, because that's what Hino does, about a town that gets beset by demons, and then everyone in the town slowly slowly turns into pigs that can be harvested for meat.
0: Okay, okay.
1: It is. Oh, how do you describe, like, I, you can't, Hino's art is, it's so distinctive. Uh,
0: I, um, because I follow Starfruit on Twitter, and so, like, they'll occasionally just, like, tweet, like, random panels from Hino stuff, and I'm just like, Uh man, this looks fucking sick. I have not gotten around to reading it yet, but it looks good.
1: It's, like, it's dark, but it's got an edge of, like, the absurder comedic, so it never gets, like, beyond, like, it's always like, it's like a Sam Raimi comic is, is what I would actually describe it as. Like that yeah, style of like, okay. it's always kind of like, there's always a joke about to happen or like, it's always about to be about a bit funny, but it's also never takes the pedal off being dark.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's very good. It's like a, a nice little short book and they're doing more with him, which is cool. Cause uh, he was out of print for a very long time. And then someone decided to start working with him again, which is cool.
0: Um, my next thing, um, I'll try to like stay thematic to the horror stuff. Is um, Tomie. I I I had not read any Ito before this year, but in October, um, I down I I I, <clears throat> I devoured about six hundred pages of Tomie in like a weekend, basically. And uh, Tomie is really fucking good. <laughs> uh, I love that little freak. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> um this was in general like a big japanese horror year for me uh more in like the movies i was watching but um uh, it was fun to see a lot of that stuff come across in a totally different medium you know in a totally different way um mm. really really love Tom- tomie uh
1: next for me would be uh f which is uh put out by glacier bay comics and it is a book i talked about on the Great Gunner Project when they were doing Seed because I was on one of those episodes. Mm. Um, it's by uh, Ami Arata and it is a it is an avant garde comic that um, takes the Fukushima reactor disaster from 2013 and reimagines that story as if it was um, <laughs> uh, the the Syrian conflict in the Middle East and what if we what if that domestic incident was treated as a foreign incident in some ways huh so like the that part of japan breaks off and forms the republic and then other forces get involved and it is it is like directly pulling from like news stories of like uh iraq war and middle east coverage at the time and like fusing them in weird ways into this documentary like not like it's like it's 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 hard to describe because it's like it's both like documentary like but also it's like not real and it's like Mm -hmm. it's also about current events and like the the almost like the like the way that people are like more like they ignore things closer to home than they do like or, or further away than they do closer to home huh does that make sense yeah totally yeah
0: that sounds really interesting i'm gonna have to check that out I can yeah. I I can't even like
1: picture what that is in my head. <laughs> you know. It's ju- actually just a comic book, which is the other wild part about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, next thing on my list um is Cross Game. Um for people who don't know, this is a baseball manga by Mitsuru Adachi. Um it is just about um You know, two teenagers who are going to high school, um, and he's a boy who's a star on the baseball team, and she's a girl who wants to be the star on the baseball team, but can't be because, um, she's a girl, and they're both united by a tragedy in their past, uh, and they're clearly in love with each other, but, um... Are not going to do anything about it until the last pages of the of the manga. Spoiler alert, the the, the teens get together in the end. <laughs> you know? Um I I read um so it's eight volumes, but they're all double-sized volumes. Um and I read just like an ungodly amount of cross game in like a weekend at my mom's house in August. Like, just like literally like I would be eating dinner and just like when can I get back to reading Cross Game? Oh, man, I gotta know what happens next. And it's like, it's obvious that they're not gonna get together until the last volume. It's obvious that, like, they're gonna win some baseball games and lose some baseball games. But just the way it's told is just, like, so compelling and so. I just had to see what's next. Um, excited to read some more uh, of Adachi's stuff. But uh, this was my first one uh, of his, and I was really taken with it.
1: Uh, My next one's very short. It's... Because I talked about it in this podcast before. It's the big Smithsonian book of newspaper comics I got. Yeah, that thing looks sick. Which I'm still slowly reading through. Because there's a lot of pages of a lot of really small text. But Mm -hmm. it makes me want to read way more of them. And looking into that is also, like, dangerous. Because I know a store that has all the Prince Valley and I could just go buy them. But I'm not (laughs) doing that right now. (laughs) I got neat. So...
0: I just yesterday um, got in a delivery from. I spent way too much money on the Fantagraphics sale they did um, <laughs> recently, um, and uh, literally as I'm as I'm opening up um, all this stuff I got in the sale, I got an email from them. Hey, we've got the first couple of volumes of Prince Valiant back in stock, and I was like, "Fuck you, Fantagraphics! <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this to me."
1: yeah i always bad like that sometimes um was it me next or was it you oh was me
0: um next thing on my list um is um oh speaking of fantagraphics um usagi ujimbo i had read um all the dark horse usagi ujimbo or a lot of it i don't know that i'm caught up but i'd read a lot of the dark horse usagi ujimbo comics um over the years and this is the year that i finally like went back and read all the Fantagraphics earlier Usagi Ojimbo, and, um, it's pretty different, but it's still pretty fucking good. Um, it's not until, like, the end of the Fantagraphics era that he starts telling, like, longer stories, and so, um, in the the Dark Horse comics, I'm very used to Sakai, like, doing a story over, like, a long period of time, and that's just not as present in the Fantagraphics stuff, but all the short stories, the... Uh, that are there, are fucking great because it's fucking uh, Usagi Ojimbo. It's fucking fantastic. (laughs) You don't really need me to, like... If people should just read Usagi Ojimbo, like, it's, you know, been one of the most beloved comics and won one billion Eisners for the last, like, 30 years for a good fucking reason, you know? (laughs) Um, Once the... Like we said last time, the Eisners are a little, like, narrow in their, like, view of what comics are, but uh, sometimes they give people a bunch of awards because uh, it's just good over a consistent, you know, period of time. So
1: uh, Next for me would be, um, well, it's another year and another couple issues of Copper came out by Michelle Fife, So Fuck I read those.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so this is a comic that I started at the very, 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 very beginning. I have an issue, of the issue of Death Zone lying around here somewhere. But um, this comic basically killed all my interest in reading contemporary Marvel and DC comics. <laughs> like single-handedly burned it to the ground. It's like, you know what? I can just read this. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I get four issues a year. It's better than all those put together. And then I have a nice little universe to care about and then forget about and then care about again. It's great. Yeah.
0: I, I am not current on Copra, but the uh, rounds one and two are just some of the best comics. Well, we should probably do like co- Copra round 1 on this show sometime cuz um people people got to know about Copra. It's fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um next thing um I've got here in a wildly different direction is um Nana. Um I read t- seven or eight volumes of Nana this year I want to say, um which is out of like 21 um and because I have a friend who's mildly psychotic when it comes to talking about nana all the time (laughs) um but uh yeah it's she's like that because it's really fucking good uh if people don't know nana uh you should listen to a lot of other export audio podcasts because it comes up a lot but uh in fact i'll just point people to export odd.io slash ghost divers they're gonna do a nana episode soon so just go listen to that i have a feeling if this podcast continues long enough it'll be a
1: non-episode on this podcast
0: I will resist it with all my might. <laughs> I will, we can talk about any Hizawa I, but there are be on me more. Nana talk on this. Is there network. a Nana
1: Pop Town yet? There, there, should be. Pop? <laughs> there
0: should be. There <laughs> should <laughs> <laughs> be.
1: Commission a custom I'm, Nana Funko. <laughs> um,
0: I'm not. I'm not seeing anything when I googled Nana. Um, Funkos other than like an Omomori doll, which is (laughs) which is different. But if we got the Nana Omomori doll Funko, I guess we would read Nana. (laughs)
1: Um, what's next on your list? Uh, next one on mine is a red colored elegy by uh, Sechi Hayashi. Uh, this is uh, was first uh printed in Garo in the late 60s, early 70s, and it is. It is easiest to describe it as someone is taking the French new wave and trying to put it into the comic form. Okay. And it's really good. It's really, really good. Uh, All his stuff is, like, some of my favorite work that exists, but it's also, most of it is, like, heavily out of print, because it was all by Picturebox in the 2000s, and that company doesn't exist anymore. Uh... Ah. But this one is by Drawn Quarterly. It It got pulled up by them, and it's available. And it is just about two, just about a couple making ends meet uh I believe they're doing like animation work like fill in stuff at studios in that time period it's really good do you want it less, like good. sad young late teens early twenties just hanging around working hanging around
0: I do want this actually <laughs> it's just that it's just good <laughs> um next thing on my list is um hunter hunter uh i've read Yo. not all of hunter hunter <laughs> but uh i read like god uh, i'm like midway through the greed island arc um and um i had so i had seen the first arc of the anime i think mm-hmm. like i'd seen through the end of the hunter exams in the anime and i was like this is pretty good this is, I, I really enjoy this uh but there's there's something I started over with um the manga and there's just something about like Togashi's cartooning I just think is f- fantastic. I think the way that he mashes up like four different art styles on a page and then none of them appear again on the next page I think is so fucking cool. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, like it's 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 like probably my favorite like shonen like battle shonen of this type. Um if only just cuz i think that like i i like Togashi as an illustrator better than i like, you know, Kishimoto or maybe Toriyama. I don't know. Toriyama's really fucking good too. In a very different way, a very different way. <laughs> um but yeah, uh excited to keep reading more. Um i kind of fell off cuz like the story is like Good, I think, and it's definitely carrying me through. But like, I cared way more about just like looking at the art, and um, it's easier to kind of get distracted when
1: that's what's carrying you through, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you should read more of that. It's good, and I should it continues being good. <clears throat> uh, next on mine is uh, Plaza by Yuichi Yokiyama, who is probably my favorite living comics artist. Uh, he draws books that look like they're not from anywhere, like deliberately, like he's putting interviews that he says, I want my books to be timeless. So no one's going to dress like anyone who you ever seen or like, so everyone's like wearing like, I wouldn't call them clothes. Even they're just like people like they're just shapes of people. And it, it's just hard lines. He draws, um, yeah. most of what he draws is like uh motion happening. So like people like building stuff or taking apart stuff or moving through things, there's one of his books that has an action scene in it that is just the best. But most of his stuff is about like construction and labor and like people moving through places and this one is about a giant parade and it's incredible like all their stuff uh it's big sound effects that aren't, aren't translated cuz it'd be very hard to do that on those pages. It's just Yeah, I remember
0: great. <laughs> I remember you sending me some um images from this and it's just like <clears throat> It's, it's really hard to describe like what's happening here, but it's so compelling and I have no idea how you, the fuck you would translate any of this, you know? <laughs> you
1: just kind of let it flow over you.
0: Yeah. Uh, kind of like the, the book that I, we're going to talk about for the main segment today. <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> in a ways. way different way. <laughs> uh, next thing on my list um, is Yotsuba. Uh, in the same weekend where I read uh, all of Cross Game, I also read like 10 volumes of Yotsuba. Um, I'd read a lot of that stuff before. I just like it. I just thought I'd shout out Yotsuba, you know? Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> um, people, I think it, it, it's, my sensibilities, um, it's really easy for me to get drawn into the sort of like fun comic strip nature of Yotsuba. Uh, and like, oh, here's just like a six page little goof that happens basically. And then here's, the nev- here's another one. Um and this time, uh, since I'd been I was rereading so much of it, um it was fun to sort of just like take in all the art, all the like backgrounds and um really like detailed drawings of buildings that are sort of like happening off to the side of like what's actually a draw of Yotzba, which is like all the gags, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, the last one on my list is another one that uh, is close to American comics, but uh, adjacent enough. It is. Um, I read a whole Naoki Urasawa book this year. I read Billy Bat.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. Have fuck you read, yeah. Have you read Billy Bat? <laughs> I have not. Um, okay.
1: So. I will not uh, say anything about Billy Bat because Billy Bat is a comic that. Uh, it melted my brain more than I think most comics will. It's. Uh, <laughs> This comic will never be published in America, ever, and is incredible, and everyone should read it, and we should cover it on this podcast. Those are my Billy Bat thoughts.
0: We we should cover it on the podcast. Uh, a friend of a friend um, live-tweeted her journey through Billy Bat last year, um, and so it's like... i would had a bunch of stuff. I've read, um, like... Half of Pluto from my local public library back in the day um, before, like, I just ran out of volumes that were available at that library. Uh, And then I started Monster um, either in 2022 or 2021. I don't remember. Started Monster, really liked it, didn't keep up with it. Um, And then, like, sometime after I set it down, uh, like I say, this friend of a friend was just tweeting through Billy Bat. And so just, you know... I kind of know a couple people, let's say, that show up throughout Billy Bat.
1: <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna say something else to that. Uh, those are not the reason it's not going to get published in America.
0: That's hard to believe, but the ra- I'll, the rabbit I'll hole, follow you there. The
1: rabbit hole in that book is so much, so much deeper than where it begins. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to figure out... Um, how to do long books, yeah.
0: Uh-huh. How to do long books, because... Um, yeah, that's that that's something that I think would be worth it to, like, do the whole thing. <laughs> we'll we could, talk
1: about... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do it after.
0: Because um, we... I just haven't wanted to figure that out because, you know, it's been the holidays. But uh, we're starting a new year and we should start covering uh, long stuff because uh-huh. it would be fun. So, yeah.
1: I'd love to reread it because knowing what where it's going is... Yeah,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> um... Last thing on my list um, is Witch Hat Atelier. Um, I've loved this book since it started. I remember picking up the first volume of Witch Hat um, at a bookstore just because the cover kind of caught my eye. And, like, sort of back then, like, evangelizing about it and feeling like I was the only person on Earth who knew about it. And now it feels like everybody knows about it. Um, So, like, I don't need to get... (laughs) I, the thing is that someday Witch Hat will have an anime adaptation and I will be deeply unhappy with it. <laughs> um, so if you're listening to this and you are thinking to yourself, well, I'll just wait for there to be a Witch Hat anime. Um, don't wait. The book looks so much better than whatever the anime is going to be. I'm sure the anime will be good, but the book looks so fucking good. <laughs> um, I just am totally enamored with, um, Shiraharma's art style on Witch Hat, and, um... The, the... The the volumes of Witch Hat that I think have come out in the U.S. this year have been a little more, like, plotty-plot-plot plot than I'm used to and more than I really like. They're, like, some of the plot is, like, boring to me a little bit. That doesn't matter. Who fucking cares about that? Because it's the most gorgeous book to look at that comes out, you know, right now. <laughs> um... It just is such a pleasure to like hold in your hands and like, you know, follow along. So, um, yeah. Witch Hat Atelier. It's fucking great. Um, with that, I guess we should get into our main um, book that we read
1: for this time. Yeah. Which is 11 uh, comics. Yeah. Uh, written, drawn, and edited by the one, <sighs> the only, the Jack Kirby.
0: <laughs> the Six Words Every Girl Wants to Hear, written, drawn and edited by Jack Kirby
1: <laughs> with a varying of a a, ver- a team of uh colorists including Kirby himself in- on the bigot version. Um
0: team yeah. of colorists and then every issue it's funny it's like the first two issues of this say like edited by Archie Goodwin and then it starts getting into like <laughs> Lightly overseen by Archie Goodwin. Admired by <laughs> Archie Goodwin. <laughs> I think is how he's credited
1: in the, yeah, in the final issue. <laughs> that's good.
2: Uh,
1: um, so yeah. this is 1976. And <clears throat> uh, Marvel was doing a lot of adaptations of things. And so Kirby adapted 2001. And it is an adaptation of the movie, the book, and the original script of the movie.
0: Yeah, it it... it visually it's recreating a lot of like what people culturally know of 2001 but um how it gets there is like taken from a bunch of different sources in
1: a way that's really cool and also it um it has a lot of uh kirby narration of things that are not narrated in other other forms 2001 so it produces so funny (laughs) it's interesting effect of like a scene that you know shouldn't be anything happening but then there's this booming like kirby voice in the back of your head going and then he died or then he entered a state that was not life
0: (laughs) the the funniest part of that is that like the explaining of like what the monolith is or what the space seeds are um which is just like not my memory of 2001 in any way, shape,
1: or form. <laughs> I, I haven't read the later ones, have you?
0: Um, no, I. so I have um, seen the movie a couple times, and Nora is a big fan of the novel, and so she has told me about some of it, but um, I keep meaning to read the novel, and she keeps meaning to see the movie, and we have not quite bridged that gap
1: yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen the movie a, a couple times at home, and then I saw it on 70 once millimeter oh was, shit yeah that that was that's a that's a trip that's a good time god uh
0: i think i think next year i'm gonna um i've got two plans to go to the movie theater in like the next two months and knock on wood that we don't get any of the multiple pandemics that are going around right now but yeah. um uh man i so- i just I would I would like to go back to theaters and I would like to see stuff like two thousand and one <laughs> anyway comics.
1: <laughs> so this comic is the well the the first this issue is just the movie basically.
0: Yeah, um, and it's like a pretty cool adaptation I think, um, especially when you get into, um, like the collage pages that people like. I think it's, like, a, a thing that I always associate with Kirby's art style, but it's not, like, a thing that he does very often. You know, I can think of some issues of Fantastic Four. I can think of some...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I can't think of a ton of, like, the 70s stuff that does this, though. Um,
1: I think he left a lot of it at Marvel, but I believe... I remember some in some of the 70s DC stuff, but not a lot. I saw a lot of Marvel. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so it's kind of cool to see, like, the 70s version of that in this adaptation, but... Um, other than, hey, it's 2001, but it looks like a, a Kirby comic. I I liked the adaptation. I wasn't, like, blown away by it. I was totally blown away by, like, the series that uh, <laughs> spins out of this. The series is fucking bananas
1: in the best way. Because, <laughs> like, he just says, like, okay, so this movie happened. Mm-hmm. It happened in this line. And then so what if it happened to someone else?
0: Yeah. Um... <laughs> So so I'll I'll give listeners like a very quick rundown which is that like the adaptation it's this like oversized treasury edition um and it's about 60 pages that is like the movie basically. And then you get the first issue of the spirit the series that spins out of this and um it's kind of functionally an adaptation of 2001 again except this time in 19 pages. <laughs> And it's fucking good. Um, cause you get like, I don't even know. <laughs> maybe, maybe the best way to do this would to kind of go issue by issue, like we did with the yeah. last thing. Um, because the first, the first two issues of this 2001, um, series, like follow a very similar format. And then after that, it's going to get go in like very different directions here. um, But the first two are like nine, 10 pages of like caveman comics that are really cool. And then nine, 10 pages of like space age comics that are really cool in a very different way. (laughs) And it's kind of amazing that like Kirby can find a way to, um, do the story of 2001 in such a compressed, like page count, you know?
1: Yeah. And he also does the, he does the match cut so well in each of these issues. Oh my God. It's so cool. Um, the, and first, it's also... the first one being the, the spear that the guy's throwing at the antelope and the the, the astronaut throwing a piece of junk across the moon. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Using the gutter as, like, a, basically a film cut is a really good use of it.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and, like, um, it's kind of just, like, it's sort of giving me just like everything that I want out of a Kirby comic in like a hyper compressed way because mm-hmm. it's like you get like these caveman comics that really evoke Commandy, and you get these like, you know, space age science fiction stuff that evoke like the best parts of Fantastic Four or the best parts of New Gods in like very different ways. And it's just like. It, it almost just, like, 2001, because it's, like, sort of spanning human evolution to Kirby across this 10-issue series is just going to become a canvas to kind of do whatever he wants, um, <laughs> which is the best thing that I you could ever ask for in 1976 is just, at you know, hey, Kirby, do whatever the fuck you want.
1: <laughs> my, my favorite part of these first two issues is uh, the last, like, three pages when the future version of the, the character uh, hits the monolith again and goes into their perfect world to like live out their life and die. And it's, yeah. it's like for like three or four panels, is like these picturesque, like different genres of film basically. Yes. So the first guy shows up and it's he's in the middle, he's in this farm in the middle of like, and he slowly walks to this farm and then dies. And then the second issue is um, Vera, the she demon, uh, <laughs> and she wakes up in basically like a billy wilder movie in california she like wakes up in a pool after going through the monolith and then is like on this like side of this like (laughs) pool in this condominium and then falls asleep and then dies it's so good (laughs) also that issue is sick because it opens on this amazing spread
0: the the um Especially the first couple issues all open on spreads, but my my favorite is definitely the second one of just like of Vera the She Demon with her like <laughs> skull flaming spear stabbing at the other cavemen. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. um, it's so good, and like she's positioned in this story as like the first authority figure. Yes. Mm. which it ties into what happens later as like this issue becomes about, um, this progress and this technology given to people or these vision, good people from the monolith as like, like the bad that comes with them, like the, mm-hmm. the exploitation that comes with them, the abuse of labor that comes with them, which comes up really a lot in the third and fourth issues about Merrick, who
0: <laughs> Merrick, is, the merciless fucking rocks.
1: Also, he fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> Uh, it also has some of the... So, yeah, the first two wishes are basically pretty... But then Merrick comes along, and Merrick is this guy who is trying to rule the world mm-hmm. very badly. And then he meets this old man who has met the monolith and has forged something out of bronze for the first time ever, and he just kicks his ass with his club. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. Because
0: <laughs> he, like, kicks his ass, but, like, he could immediately recognize, like, ooh, bronze. I need this. I won't kill this man because, uh, you know, I need weapons if I want to conquer the world. Um, And then, like, goes to the monolith. And, you know, the monolith showed the old guy how to forge things with bronze. The monolith shows Samaric the Merciless, like... Here's the, here's gonna be your cool hot lady queen, and you need to go on a quest <laughs> to find her and conquer
1: everybody between you and her. <laughs> here's space, <sighs> and like the the issue, like all the captions in this book are also like they're like they're like full of possibility, but we all know where it's going. Like he forges a sword for him, and it like it's the the sword is still too new to define, but everyone who's reading this knows what what has going to happen when someone starts getting metal weapons and no one else has metal weapons, yeah, yeah, um, or like the very end when uh they knock over a pot uh <laughs> that starts rolling, and I was like, Oh, I know where this is going, <laughs> oh, there's a wheel, oh shit. <laughs> Because, yeah, the old guy, because they're like, we got to go across the world to my queen. And it's like, okay, so we got to get all these pots to carry all this stuff. And he's like, I can't carry all this stuff across the world, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no one will be able to fight if we cross the world carrying all this stuff. And then they accidentally make wheels. It's great. <laughs>
0: um, also, just the, the page at issue three where um, Merrick the Merciless, like, puts on his bronze helmet for the first time and it's just a full page spread of like him with the helmet and the sword it's just sick it's just fucking cool and the There's text on that page than, like...
1: <laughs> is so good would you like to read it
0: when merrick emerges from old hegel's hut of wonders he is more magnificent to behold than ever before merrick is god and leather and metal <laughs> With a flowing horsetail crowd, which is symbolic of the force he intends to build. But in his hand is the achievement, which is to dwarf his own powerful image and win his people the world of the dawn. There are no cheers for the bronze sword. Its potential
1: is still too new to define. (laughs) And then the thing he says is, there are great things for us to do. We shall ride the lightning across many lands and sweep them clean with this.
0: He is the Tiger Force at the center of
1: all things. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, so that's the thing about, like, so Kirby's work, um, it starts at a place in Marvel. And then he moves, in. as he moves through his career, like, it becomes more and more about, uh, the violence that he was, um, he saw in World War II. Mm Mm-hmm. And like it comes back around, and like, so this comic is a lot to me like um, Tezuka's Phoenix in that it shows this progress, quote unquote, throughout uh, different periods of time through the same totally. artist. Totally. Totally. And jumping back and forth. And it's just such a good summation of all that, all the work he's done and other stuff. Like, it's incredible. And we haven't even gotten to yeah. this issue yet. Is the best part? Yeah. The- <laughs> Because Cause, be- to me, the best issue is issue five. Yeah, but- we're, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, like it, I see so much of commandy in this. I see so much like of OMAC in this, uh-huh. um, especially like later on. But even as early as, you know, issue three with like the preoccupations about like what violence does to people. Um, and yeah, it feels like a 10 issue series that I can like give to somebody and say, this is why I like Jack Kirby comics,
1: you know? Yeah, for sure. Also, like, Merrick doesn't evolve into the the Star Child or whatever. Mm-hmm. He just kind of gets a kingdom to live out the rest of his life in.
0: Yeah, um, it, it's, it's kind of neat the ways in which, um, like, the monolith, um, the monolith is just gonna kind of do its thing, and it's just gonna kind of push humanity, like, further and further into the stars, and, um, doesn't really care that, like, lots of people are going to have to die for that to happen. <laughs> no, know? not at and all. So, and so, like, yeah, Merrick is not going to become a cool, like, space seed guy. He's just going to, like, kill a bunch of people and pillage a bunch of things and, uh,
1: you know, get his kingdom. And we don't know, like, if that's the reason why he doesn't change. He just kind of refuses to and is like, I like this place you sent me to. Thanks. <laughs> It's like um, what? Thanks, but I'm different. <laughs> and then it's also, get... oh yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, one last thing It's just like it's also interesting, knowing like reading this and knowing that like Conan Co- Conan comics are like huge at Marvel right now, mm-hmm. and it feels like you know um two issues that are both like doing Co- Conan comics as good as Roy Thomas and Co ever do, and also like totally eviscerating like um why the fuck do we read this crap? You know? Like, what is the fantasy being sold to us with Conan and stuff?
1: And you then know? you get to issue five, which is the reason I tell people to read this comic more than anything else. This it's issue... the best shit in the fucking world. He picks up a gun and puts it to the head of superhero comics and then just pulls the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Jack Kirby doing it in 1976.
0: Okay, so listeners, I'm gonna, like, walk you through this in probably more detail than like you need you should you should stop listening to this right now and if you do nothing else if you do nothing else i need you to read like issues five and six of 2001 because it's fucking incredible we open on um <laughs> the is, white zero it's such a good name <laughs> it is like fighting this like weird, these weird little demons and aliens and and sci-fi machines, and he's gonna he's, um, you know, destroying something called the Holocaust bomb. (laughs) Um, and that's just like, you know, if you're just looking at the images, that's what's happening. If you're reading the narration, um, the thing that's actually happening here is that the White Zero is not actually a superhero. In the year 2040 AD, there are like, places you can go that are, like, <clears throat> VR slash escape room, basically, uh-huh. where you live out the... fan. And this one is called Comicsville, and you live out the fantasy of being a comic book superhero, basically. It's and Galaxy's so- Edge, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's a Star Wars theme park.
0: Basically. <laughs> um, And, like, he, like... The 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 narration is all this like really sick shit about like, and then of course the supervillain comes out and gives his big speech, and then of course White Zero goes and <laughs> saves the princess, and the you know unfailingly this is what always happens in these stupid fucking superhero comics, <laughs> you know like Jack like Kirby's like open <clears throat> contempt for superhero comics in this is fucking nuts,
1: <laughs> and like so. Um, where's the, where's there's a quote in one of these panels. Uh, oh, it's the top of page, the f- fourth page of this issue is it, it says what an indifferent society has suppressed the human ego has been released in the 21st century. It's like, it's so perfect as to what, oh, it's so, and then the end of this, like his escape room is such a mean it's joke. It's so
0: it's, like, such a mean joke, but, like, it's, like, kind of a, like, a sexist, fatphobic joke, and also just, like, more just, like, brutal evisceration of, like, the kind of guy who goes to this sort of thing. Yeah, he goes it's because it's, and... it's,
1: it's not coming from the comic, because the guy explains that the model the guy wanted was, like, sick that day. Yeah. So they had to get a replacement last minute.
0: and And it's, like, this woman who's, like, Kind of older looking, um, heavy set, um, and the, the guy playing White Zero in this fantasy is just like, I want my money back. Fuck this, man. I, I can't believe, like, I didn't get a, uh, like, hottie to, like, you know be my cool princess that i saved and then kissed or whatever uh it just sucks he's just the most reprehensible piece of shit man <laughs> in this moment and he he's huffing and puffing about how he wants a refund and he there he's talking to somebody on the Uh, on this video screen and they're like all right well the exit's right over there and he opens a door and (laughs) steps out into a dressing room with like 20 other nerds who are all in different superhero costumes because they're gonna go next
1: (laughs) the best part about this comic too is because it's jack kirby right all these comics are all these uh, costumes are sick they're fucking cool (laughs) (laughs) It, it makes it all the better that it looks like a jack kirby comic when he's yeah. eviscerating it so much, oh, it's so perfect. And then he's like, he like talks to the guy, he's like, oh, thanks for the monolith, though, that was pretty cool. It's like, what monolith? Because there's a monolith up in the middle of his, his thing. Uh-huh. And then you get to see what he lives in the rest of his six days of the week.
0: Yeah, and it's like the most just like hellish OMAC dystopia. Um, <clears throat> it is like... It, it is like... It's Omac and it's Blade Runner before Blade Runner and it's just like <clears throat> he's walking through these like shitty, rainy streets, and he has to like wear a specific coat to protect him from the smog, and everybody is wearing the same coat because like the like everything in New York is just like the air is so polluted that you can't like your skin can't hardly make contact with like the air, basically.
1: <clears throat> There's the Spaceballs joke about a can of air. <laughs> It's literally comic?
0: just the Space Pulse joke.
1: Like two decades before, yeah.
0: <laughs> Harvey later allows himself in the luxury of inhaling a cylinder of fresh air imported from a remote and unpolluted region. At $15 a can, it provides a brief moment of hope. And it's him with this gas mask uh, and injecting, like, mountain air into the gas mask. It's fucking bleak. $15 for a can of air.
1: And then the next page is maybe my favorite page of all of 1 of these issues. Yeah. Because he goes to the beach, and it is the perfect, like, I don't often think of Kirby like this, but he draws such, like, perfect 70s movies. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, Have you... Do you know what Seconds is?
0: Seconds, the Brian Leo comic?
1: No. Seconds, the 1966 Frankenheimer movie. Oh, no. So... Um, not to give it all away, but the movie is about a guy who is depressed in his current life and goes to a company that gives him a new life. Oh, this looks cool. This poster is fucking sick. Yeah, so he goes under, he goes under, and then he wakes up as a different actor in a different life, and then it goes from there. Okay. It's it's an incredible movie. But it's basically like the ennui of this. Yeah. And it is, oh, it's so good.
0: It's It's the, like, total, like, bleak ennui as he goes to this, like, beach that is basically just another, like, VR thing, and, like, because because he has touched the monolith, now he can, like, all the other people on the beach are like, oh, we're having a good day on the beach, and because he has touched the monolith, he's, like, can see all the seams, he can see that it's just, like, paintings and VR and holograms and stuff, and he's unsatisfied, um... But with, his, with everything. His
1: last was well, one of his sentences on this page is also, it's a comfortable Hades. It's so good. It's a comfortable Hades. Um and as he's
0: like kind of sulking about this, the monolith appears before him again, and he's like, You know what? I gotta go into space.
1: <laughs> it's gotta be better than here.
0: And so he de- like Kirby does the match cut that he's been doing that's sort of like the match cut from the movie. Um But instead of, like, from, you know, prehistory to the space age, now it's um, this one guy, like, thinking to himself about, um, I I can't just, like, keep going to, like, Comicsville and these stupid fucking beaches. I gotta, like, go out into space. And then it, like, does the cut. And he's, like, two years later, and he's, like, 1,000 miles above the planet Neptune.
1: (laughs) It's so cool. And he finds a space princess. She, she looks like she looks like a
0: rejected drawing for an Inhumans character. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and then they get attacked, and then the issue ends because it's a two parter.
0: Yeah, um, oh, you know, uh, issue <sighs> and six. There we
1: go. The next issue opens with all all the guys on the ship making fun of him for being too comic booky about the plot he's in,
0: because <laughs> like. So he finds the space
1: alien princess
0: and then some other people who kind of look like her are like, um, like some other aliens, like pull up and start shooting at them. But they don't speak the alien language, so they don't know what to do. And Norton, the protagonist, is like, well, in my comic book, I would do this. And so that's what I'm going to do. And all the other astronauts are like, what are you fucking talking about, asshole?
1: You're going to get us all killed. <laughs> Which he actually doesn't do. Yeah, (laughs) he gets himself killed, but not anyone else.
0: (laughs) Um, But this this whole thing is fucking cool because like he's hanging out with the alien princess, and they don't like they don't speak the same language, so they just have to sort of like rely on each other. And this guy won't shut up, but he like she like gets him in her spaceship and um, hops over like three galaxies or something just Mm -hmm. real quick. It's fucking cool.
1: Hands him a laser gun and he starts shooting guys.
0: <laughs> I think this is what I tweeted. Um, objectively, there's nothing cooler than Jack Kirby drawing futuristic
1: laser pistols. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, and then it ends with her going, getting into a teleporter and he hesitates and gets yeah. blown up by the spaceship that was following him the whole time. Yeah. But not um, and... not, not before the monolith gets there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and turns it... If... Cause, Cause, yeah, the the monolith gets there, and it kind of go back goes back to the start because um his like fantasy that he lives out uh, in his last few minutes is that he's like a comic book superhero, basically
1: slowly dying in a chair. Yeah, it's
0: oh, so cool. I love the I love um every single time like Kirby does these same like three or four panels of like people like like, from the old age, like, emerging into the new, like, space fetus life. It's fucking Mm -hmm. cool.
1: And, like, it's, the funny. the other thing about these two issues, too, or this this series, is that he, like, so, like, takes it to superhero comics and, like, that style of fandom, but also, Mm -hmm. he just does good superhero comics at the same time.
0: Yeah, like, like, it is so biting, and it's, like, Criticism of like where he sees society going, um while also still like you know it's, he's he like, he's aware that like you're you're coming to like like I have a job because you buy all the comics, so I'm still gonna make good comics. Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> you're, you're still reading Jack Kirby comics. They're still gonna look like Jack Kirby comics.
0: <laughs> he's still gonna draw all the cool like Kirby crackle, and it's gonna look better than it's ever
1: looked. You know. <laughs> Oh, that, that page of him lying in the rubble with the monolith, like, looming over him is so good. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, And then, I think the next issue is actually my least favorite of all these.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a neat idea. Um, it's, like, he's... It's following a space seed around as it's, um, like... Basically, what it does is it goes to another, like, sort of post-apocalyptic world and it sees two people that it, like... It, that it perceives to be like kind of noble people and takes them and like plants their corpses on um another world where life could flourish maybe mm-hmm. uh and so it's just kind of showing you what the the space seeds get up to but it didn't it didn't totally work for me there's like a lot of really cool illustrations in this issue for sure but like the the concept didn't work for me as much
1: and then uh as story goes the sales of this comic were not the best at the time it came out so they needed. I can believe that they needed a hero.
0: <laughs> is issue eight where they? Okay, yeah, uh-huh. I thought this was issues nine and ten, but no, it's issues eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. So issue eight, we we are introduced to uh, Mister Machine, um, <laughs> who is what if a robot came into contact with the Monolith, and the answer is that would be pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, also known as X fifty one, the Machine Man. Later in his life, when he gets uh, repurposed back into Marvel.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was pretty fun to um, see the last issue of this and see, like, you know, oh, Mr. Machine is getting his own comic (laughs) book um, after this. Um, This is also, um, and I don't know how exhaustively I'm going to, like, summarize the plot here, but, like, basically... This is just a good OMAC
1: issue, basically.
0: Yeah, it's basically a really good issue of OMAC um, because, like, there's these scientists that are working on, like, robot AI people and it's not working out so they're just going to blow up all the robots but there's one um there's one robot who was raised as a human rather than being raised as a computer <laughs> is how this is this puts it which is a really funny way of putting it um and he's so he's raised as a human and his father like takes the uh bomb out of him so they can't <laughs> order 66 in basically that thing
1: just so funny when he's sitting in the <laughs> forest going Good job, my son. You flew away, and now I will die with his bomb because I cannot run far enough away from it. <laughs> <laughs> also the robot could fly.
0: <laughs> because yeah. it it figured out the anti-gravity equation. <laughs> of course. I love Jack Kirby. <laughs> um So yeah, he's like the one robot and he's gonna like try and um you know find out the truth of his origins. Or he's He just, like, starts going around and, like, people hate him, basically, because he's a robot. And so he's like, I wonder why people hate robots so much. I'm going to go learn something about this. And ends up, like, you know, going back to the military base where they, like, built him. And um, not, he doesn't kill all these people, but it feels a lot like he just
1: murders all these people. (laughs) Well, he does, like, leap out of the base after setting it to explode. He does do that. He
0: does do that. Well, there is like a couple.
1: It's a different base, actually.
0: There is a couple captions where it's like, and then the soldier was unconscious, and Mister Machine went about and did this instead, or whatever. And I am like, okay, but he did. He is a like super powerful robot that just choked that dude for like a minute. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like the thing with this is like, um, so it's a lot of like the the people who commissioned his his dad to make him trying to figure out how they can control him, basically. Yeah. So, like, they put, like, uh, trackers on him, they take his face off. I did the thing. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, they do take his face off.
0: He spends a lot of Issue 9 just being, like... (laughs) I've been hunted, fired upon, and thrown into this maximum security cell, but the weapons the systems in my fingers shall avenge this in greatest indignity of all, the removal of my face. (laughs) And he, like, will, like, get a hold of a soldier and be like, you have to tell me, where is my face? It's so Um, good. And it's, like, really cool, because it's like, oh, this character, um, like, is sort of defined by his inhumanity, and the thing he cannot, um, like, put up with is, um, like this estrangement from the humanity, this estrangement from having a face. Um, and it's like a really cool like concept for the character. And also it means that he chokes dudes and says, where is my face? Tell me. <laughs>
1: uh, the monolith and X-51 are the linchpin or like the, 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 the audience like way into uh, the Earth X comic we talked about last time. The John Paul mm. Leon comic, like it opens with him waking up in bed and the Monolith being at his bedside. And that's how the comic starts. Yeah. So it's going back to here. Um, and so issue ten has one of the great scenes where, um, the supervillain, this guy is such a such a, <laughs> he's just a guy in a hood. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> they capture him and they take him apart and then his limbs all wake up and start beating them all to death. <laughs>
0: the the super villain... Um, who's named Hotline, short for <laughs> Hotline to Hades, because he's got, he's basically like the puppet master of this, like, Wizard of Oz projection of Hades, the, like, the Demon Lord, um, but he's convinced everybody that he is, like, you know, like, calling actual Hades, not that it's a Wizard of Oz projection, um, and like, <clears throat> um, he just looks like Doctor Doom, but way dorkier like
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. He's
0: he, he's got a hood and a mask on and like there's only so many faces that Kirby draws. So he kind of looks like Doom, but he's not
1: half as cool as Doom. <laughs> no. Also, I love in that issue there's um Kirby's he has a repeating character in a lot of his books of like the sheriff who is like 70 years old and doesn't understand all this comic bullshit going on.
0: <laughs> Cuz there's Because Mr. Machine meets up with the kid who's like, this is just like in my cool Marvel comics written and drawn by Jack Kirby. (laughs) (laughs) And the sheriff basically like Tommy Lee Jones from No Country for Old Men just being like, man, this is some bullshit.
1: (laughs) And then the book ends on a huge cliffhanger because guess who's going to get his own Marvel comic? (laughs)
0: Um... (laughs) I don't remember what the context was, but I was talking to Nora about some New God stuff, and I think she asked me, like, does it have an ending? And I was like, eh, not really, but, you know, he was just going to make a new issue every month, so there's not an ending because, like, he needs you to come back and
1: read the next issue, and at some point he just gets a different job. <laughs> you, you could just say, "Is it, does the Norse mythology end? Because not really. It's kind yeah, of, not really. It just kind of goes again. There's,
0: there's <laughs> the Hunger Dogs, and that's, like, kind of an ending, but eh, not
1: really. <laughs> yeah. People have tried to end it, but not well most of the time <laughs> Simon tried um, to end it that was okay
0: <laughs> Um, yeah I was I was so surprised by um, just how like the, it, it truly just feels like Kirby taking the gloves off and just like I'm gonna do a new idea on every fucking page cause like I don't have a superhero universe that I'm beholden to Um, and it's, like, 1976, so he's, like, literally, like, something I was doing today was, like, looking at, like, what are the other Marvel comics that were coming out, like, around the same time? And, like, he just finished doing Mad Bomb, like, the best Captain America story, (laughs) you know? Um, as the New Battles,
1: um, killer stuff.
0: Um, like, he's just the best he's ever been, and, um, like, there's no... Yeah, there's no like universe that this has to be situated in. And so he just gets to do whatever the fuck
1: he wants. Uh, and it, it's so much better for it, you know? Mm-hmm. I th- like everyone always talks about like the Fantastic Four stuff and his return to Marvel is so much better to me.
0: Yeah, I really, really like the, the first hundred issues of a ta- Fantastic Four. There's some great stuff in there, but like also
1: like Kamandi um, was still going on at this time.
0: Oh, he was still doing some work for DC. It was
1: 1978 work. Commande on, ends.
0: That's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't know. Is that all? That all? Yeah, that's all him. Huh? Yeah.
0: Yeah, because so, I know, like,
1: it gets like, like weird at the end because it's like kind of unfinished and kind of like connected to other stuff.
0: Yeah, there's, like, six issues at the end where that he doesn't work on at all, and they, like, try to tie it more into the DC universe, I think.
1: But, or, like, um, into OMAC, specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, John and OMAG. then, like, doesn't
0: doesn't John Byrne pick up OMAC at some point?
1: I believe John Byrne picked up all of Kirby stuff at some point.
0: Yes. <laughs> there, there's Walt Simonson picking up Kirby stuff, complimentary, and there's John Byrne picking up Kirby stuff,
1: derogatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hello I, I haven't read all that stuff but i've read a lot of john Byrne in general so
0: um i i've read i've read a, a decent chunk of his um x-men stuff and i think i've read some of his superman stuff but i'm not super real, well, well read on john Byrne, honestly mm-hmm. um well, it's mostly only because like yeah if only because like i've only ever known him as Guy who's an asshole on the internet. You know, I've only ever lived in the era where he's just kind of a weirdo.
1: Guy who draws Wolverine good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Guy who works with Claremont. (laughs) Uh, And then, Uh, like, X-51 goes on to have, like, a kind of crazy... uh, So, his book is, like, Ditko. A lot of Ditko. And then... He gets a uh, Barry's Winter Smith miniseries, like uh, Weapon X, that is just four issues of uh, Barry Winter Smith drawing the wildest Weird. robot stuff you've ever seen. Yeah, it's good. And then, like, people don't know what to do with him because he's just like the robot character trying to figure out how to not be a robot when he already is not a robot. All right. It's, this is a lot of um, this book's a lot of Star Trek in a lot of ways too
0: yeah absolutely like all the um (laughs) i was thinking about it in issue like um was it five or six when like the the aliens are attacking the um spaceship trying to get the princess and um it's just like it's really funny that they introduce a star trek concept of like oh they're we're getting hailed and they're shooting like warning shots but um it like breaks what star trek does because they don't have the universal translator so they're like i don't know what the fuck this guy's saying <laughs> yeah oh this is the machine man from next wave agents of hate yes it is oh i didn't connect that dot in my head until now
1: <laughs> yes machine man is machine man uh-huh. okay. <laughs> Uh huh. okay speaking of book i haven't read in a very 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 long time
0: i would like to reread it but um there are reasons i probably won't do that <laughs> yeah uh, uh, but... People can look up "Next Wave: Agents of Hate" and try to <laughs> intuit why. I maybe am not super excited to revisit it. It right might start things. with
1: a W and end with an S. Who could say? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, next yeah, wave. I, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, I I um I love the Fantastic Four stuff that Kirby did, but definitely my stuff is is my favorite stuff that he did was um the DC stuff, and so it's kind of cool to, like, have this as, like, as, like, it's, it's hard to sometimes tell, like, I I like Commandy Best for these reasons, but I think OMAC is more popular, and I think, like, maybe New Gods plays better to, like, superhero comics people, and so it's hard to, like, know sometimes like, what can I give someone that'll explain, like, why I love Jack Kirby so much? Uh-huh. And now I've just got these ten issues. It's like, you can, I read this in a morning, you know, like, you can you can knock out these ten issues in a day, and, like, you know, if you liked this best, I could tell you what to read next. If you liked this best, I could tell you what to read next cuz like every idea he's ever had is in this book in some way, you know?
1: I like It's uh, really fucking cool. Yeah, I like uh, Captain Victory and Silver Star, which are the two he does after this for uh, a small publisher. Oh, those are good books.
0: I remember um the the library in my hometown had a thing of Silver Star, but mm-hmm. I never heard anybody say anything like positive or negative about it so i never got around to reading it
1: it's just two issues and it's basically uh, a lot of an x-men riff okay it's good um but yeah that is 2001 i don't have anything else to really say about it it's like really really good jack kirby comics yeah totally
0: yeah i think i've i've said more or less everything i had to say so
1: you should go read these yeah people should just go read these especially issue five
0: Uh, yeah yeah if you if nothing else like read the um uh yeah issues
1: four and five i think it's yeah issues so much of that fucking book is just real i hate it
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the thing is like sometimes you like read um sometimes you like see older stuff that like imagine like blade runner is a great example and you're like, oh, that feels true. That feels, like, real to, like, you know, how society's gotten more and more dystopian over the years. Um, but, like, I read the, I read those issues, and I was like, oh, that is real. That is, like, actually, like, what is happening right now. Because
1: them- he... Oh, go ahead.
0: He goes to his escape room, and then he comes home, and he, like, he's like, oh, yeah, this uh this show I'm renting, and he has, like, It's almost like the the chessboard from from Star Wars, but as it's like he's just like watching a show on there and it's just another superhero show, and it's like, oh my god, this is just what, you know, (laughs) this is what society is.
1: Like, there's like 12 people in that room waiting for their turn. Yeah. (laughs) Are they waiting there all day?
0: Uh, Presumably, or maybe like they're getting dressed and like it's hard to tell how many like. You know yeah. how many sessions are going on of this? At how many a time? escape rooms
1: just at one time, yeah. <laughs>
2: um
0: yeah, I guess that's the big difference between like, you know, the the future the the, the world that's coming, if you will, <laughs> and um the actual real life is that all of this is just in like video games now that people also play in their apartments rather than going to
1: a room. <laughs> only eighteen seventeen years away. <laughs> <laughs> also his um, name is so good
0: harvey norton right yeah <laughs>
1: it's
0: perfect just the most comic booky name yeah
1: the white uh, the white zero god it's so perfect
0: <laughs> well and the when the, the bit where he the white zero like is like the most like looks like Captain America, uh-huh. as Kirby draws him in the 70s, is the most, like, perfect chiseled Kirby face. And, like, the guy takes off... It's not just that he's wearing a mask, it's that he's wearing, like, the whole face of White Zero, and of, under there is a slightly schlubbier guy, yeah, he's, basically.
1: We, he's wearing the spirit costume of the, the, that helmet that, that comes with, with the plastic face.
0: Yes, yes, exactly that.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure, like, it's like, it's like telling him, the like, helmet's like telling him what to do. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I just, I keep, I keep forgetting and then remembering, like, in like five minute chunks that it's called the Holocaust bomb. It's called the Holocaust bomb. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's so perfect.
1: What's the bad, wait, one second. Oh, yeah, it's death disaster. Death master is the bad guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's really funny. All these captions about, like, "Oh yeah, here's the supervillain that's always in these stories," and the guy introduces himself: "I am Deathmaster."
1: <laughs> I want to know everyone else's names. <laughs> we we get only Thunderman.
0: <laughs> um, where can people find you
1: online? <laughs> uh, they can find me at Combat V on Twitter and co-host. <clears throat>
0: um you can find me on co-host at autumnal um up there i've been doing um like posts where i like you know recap all the podcasts that go up on the export audio network every week and so if you want to keep up with anything we're doing whether it's this show gotham city limits ornate stairwells um hot singles like that all of that is going to be on the co-host page so that's probably the easiest way and if you want to support us just go to patreon.com slash export audio um $5 a month, you'll get um, a bonus episode of this every month. Speaking of, we should figure out what our next episode is.
1: <laughs> yeah. We could do something weird. It hit me. Um, uh, the On the spreadsheet, I mm-hmm. believe it's the last thing on there. Do you know what that is? Iceland? No, uh, further down. Um... No, the, sorry, the one right above it. The one right above it.
0: Oh, Arsene Schworn? Yeah, I don't know anything about this, but if it's if you're interested in it, sure.
1: Uh, I've read it before, but it's it's really good.
0: Uh, I'm googling this. I, I'm down for whatever, so um, I'm just
1: gonna Google it just to see what it is. But uh, uh, it is a comic uh, from Olivier Schworn about uh, the quote unquote story of his grandfather's uh, colonial expeditions to French colonies
0: okay, i this cover looks pretty cool. uh, let me see if I can just look at an interior real quick. I'm just kinda curious now. Oh, I can um, find
1: you one sec. oh, this looks sick, yeah, let's do this okay, sure <laughs> it is um it is in a lot of it's 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 comedic and it's uh more not safe for work than most stuff we've done, but whatever, yeah whatever
0: it's um, fun.
1: Also, just it gonna... has, like, pages in it they are like, um, please wait a week and then continue reading.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I should start on that tonight? <laughs> no,
1: like, you can just read it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny. <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah, depending on how I edit that, um, I'll probably include some of that conversation we just had, but, um, for, for listeners, um, our next thing is Arsenia Schwarren, um, i'm not gonna say that right whatever who cares um it's published by fanagraphics um i will spell that out in the um uh episode description so if you're having a little trouble like piecing together what i'm trying to say just check the episode description i'll probably like link to the fanagraphics page or something so that people could check this out it's also findable Um,
1: online because i made sure of that before i put on the list (laughs)
0: <laughs> much obliged yeah. uh, I do not need to be giving Fandagraphics more money right now uh-huh. oh man I just remembered we could have we, I got that Shea book we'll do that Shea book sometime soon
1: oh yeah you know, <sighs> I, I saw something else too we could tie into your next <laughs> franchise
0: oh what's that oh we right could, RoboCop we
1: do versus Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is
0: is that that Frank Miller comic? It's, I know he it's did some
1: Frank Miller and Simonson doing Robo covers Terminator.
0: <laughs> that sounds pretty fucking sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm
0: I'm gonna put that on the spreadsheet. I don't know you just, you just Google that,
1: and look at it. it yeah, it, it's really good. Um, this cover I'm looking at is pretty fucking sick. <laughs> do you know the uh, apocrypha about uh, Frank Miller's involvement with RoboCop?
0: Uh, I know that he like wrote the second and third movies or something. So there's
1: a there's a a very persistent and like I don't know the sourcing on it uh idea about why that happened. Okay. A RoboCop comes out uh like on the like right around Dark Knight return starts coming out.
0: Okay. And you'll
1: recall that in both of those there is a scene where a hostage situation is happening and then the hero punches through a wall with a minigun. And there's also like a stickup in a in a in a beer and other. Like, there's a lot of like enough similarities that people have floated the idea that he got approached afterwards saying, uh, "We stole from you a lot. Do you want to work on this next one?" <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to watch uh, the, those sequels and find out. Like, so does Frank Miller like come in and like make it more fashion Or I think there's what? ninjas
1: in one of them. I think he just does the Ronin stuff in one of them, which is hilarious. That sounds about right.
0: One of these days, we should do the Frank
1: Miller Claremont Wolverine on here. Oh, we could do so many Wolverine comics. There's so many good ones. Shit. We could do like an eight. We could do both that and the Brayman Smith one in one ish episode, probably. That's like ten issues. I...
0: The more stuff we talk about, I'm like, you know, once, once we're through the holidays, we should really figure out ma- if making this weekly is, like, doable. <laughs> I don't know how doable it is, but I
1: really want it to be. So, it's like, fun. I... <laughs> also, we gotta, get, um, we gotta get, like, we gotta figure out M and, like, Love and Rock at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. I t- they told me they were gonna, um... <clears throat> reread some Eleven Rockets and just like come through with like, hey, here's the best eleven R- or like my favorite Eleven Rockets thing. <laughs> um so did you ask Jackson all Uh,
1: uh n- have I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Great question. I don't I just thought about that. So I was like, wait. <clears throat> um oh I'm so excited to watch RoboCop and Robocops. And the end, you gotta watch the anime series, right? As part of the franchise.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna do a, a, a bonus app on some RoboCop show. I don't know. Nora's got like four four options for us, I think. So <laughs> uh,
1: So yeah, you should watch Seconds. It's really good.
0: Yeah, I will. I, I, I'm i thinking about like watching
1: that tonight, so. <laughs> oh, have you also, have you seen Strange Days? No. Do you know what that is? Uh, it's ringing a bell. It's the Bigelow Cameron movie. Oh yeah, I know. I know of this from 1999. Yeah, I know of this. I have not seen it. But... Uh, yeah, you should watch that one too. <laughs> uh, fair warning on that one. It's about um, uh, future VR or like okay future like memory stuff like used in very skeevy ways. Okay. Uh huh. But it's it's really good, and it's. It's shocking to see that movie come out, and then she just goes into, like, military propaganda, basically.
0: <laughs> she has had the weirdest fucking career of anybody. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: well, so she does a cop movie early. It's the one right after, uh, yeah, Near Dark. after Near Dark, right? Yeah, it, that one's pretty okay. It's, like, skeezy, and, like, she meets, I think it's the writer, actually. Like, she, the same writer does Hurt Locker, Detroit, and, um, Zero Dark Thirty. Mark oh, Bold. I believe he was like. A, I think he was like a big reporter on all the war stuff. So like, I think I see how that happens. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer. Because <sighs> Strange Days is so good.
0: <laughs> I just remember.
1: I just remembered Detroit exists, and I was like, oh god. Do you want <laughs> okay, broad shows. Do you want the one the one the high concept plot of Strange Days is? Sure, sure. Uh, a a rap artist gets killed, and the police try to frame it on someone on the turn of the millennium.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. And it's okay, good. I see how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah, but I see how this is going to go real, like, problematic. <laughs> so, But it you, also sounds
1: good. So you think you it know? is, but it's shocking compared to other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah.
0: Um, podcast. Podcast. I should probably stop I, recording. I, um... Yeah, I'm going to stop recording so that I can go have a smoke before uh, we get totally snowed in. So, (laughs) goodbye, everybody.